Hello, and welcome to the eighth episode of the Frankenstein's RPG podcast. Thanks for downloading us. I'm absolutely amazed by how well the podcast seems to be going, and I'm loving the feedback, especially on Twitter. Uh, this episode, uh, we're looking at both what and how we handle uh, monsters uh, and protagonists, which you'd sort of kind of expect to be fairly easy, but uh, you try it. Uh, and some great thought and application applied uh, from all our pundits. And then I weighed in with the equivalent of size 10s and stomp all over everything, which is uh, my metier, I guess. Uh, up second uh, is luck points or fate, uh, darkness, hero, story points, whatever. Uh, and once again, we could probably do about a day on this, so did remarkably well to wrap up within such a short space of time. So on this episode, I'm joined by Steve from the Orlanth Rex's Gaming Vexes podcast. Please go there after this episode. Tamsin, who pulls a blinder with an unexpected unexpected example. And then Lee, whose work colleagues need to stop listening now. And then finally, Ian Cooper, a man who needs no introduction, so he doesn't get one. He does. Usual lookouts for game fans. You know who you are. Space gamers. Sorry. For those of you new to us, well, what's it all about? Well, each episode we get a group of grognards together to look at the very best elements of role-playing games on a given theme or subject. We debate a bit, waffle a lot more around the topic, and then vote on which games will contribute to our creation, the Frankenstein's monster of a game. The idea is that once we've constructed this devilish entity, we will then play it and see if it all hangs together or indeed falls hopelessly apart the seams. Thanks for all the participation again via Twitter and I hope you enjoy it again as we embark on this, the most creative of all exercises. I just got an option to leave meeting so I could yeah, have just hit a, that instead. Just says shut it or leave meeting, no, that's yeah. it. Exactly. What, what I've actually done is I've in, installed injector seats so, so the first time anybody mentions Traveller Gone. You've you done it now yourself, haven't you? Yeah. You've mentioned yeah. it. Ah! <laughs> you fell for the obvious trap. <laughs> no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to play Traveller. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Frankenstein's RPG podcast. Um, you join us on, on a quite a humid night. I'm not sure what it's like where, where you all are, but it's fairly sort of humid down here. Um, and uh, we're talking this evening. This is episode eight. We're talking about monsters and or protagonists, uh, which could range from how they're presented to uh, actually which, which monsters we want to use. And then the second part of the uh, the podcast, we'll look at uh, this idea of luck or fate points or hero points or darkness points. I mean, it, it, it almost almost never ending. So, uh, four fantastic uh, guests uh, and one one idiot, uh, which is me. Uh, but if I could ask you to, to sort of introduce yourselves, that'd be great. Lee, can I come to you first? Yes, of course. Good evening, everyone. Uh, I'm Lee Carnell on or at LP Carnell at Twitter, and. Uh, I'll do. Let's move. <laughs> Good, thank you. Uh, and uh, Steve. Uh, Everybody, wouldn't mind introducing I'm Steve uh, at Orlanthar on Twitter. Good. And uh, frequent contributor to some other podcasts. Yeah, you know. Live and also, also ran, what can I say? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> uh, Tamsin. 
Yeah, hi everyone. Um, Tamsin, I'm at x Tamsin x on Twitter. I've been role playing for about thirty something years. I started in the womb. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's that My spring chicken. That, yeah, so that explains that. <laughs> It's that, it's that spring chicken costume you've got on it. Uh, and then finally, uh, Professor Sir Dr. Ian Cooper. Uh, I've, I've probably introduced you actually already. But <laughs> Ian, would you, would you introduce? That'll do. We can just settle for that, surely. Hey, my, I'm, my name's Ian Cooper, and I, you can find me. The, the gaming account is Ian underscore Hammond underscore Cooper. Nice and long. You can't be Ian Cooper anywhere. There's just so many of us. Uh, so I took my middle name in Hammond. Um, uh, and some of you know me probably from being the uh, line editor at Chaosim for the game formerly known as HeroQuest, which is Quest Worlds. HeroQuest caused a lot of brand name confusion with the board game, quite why anyone would ever remember the board game, who knows? Uh, <laughs> but we now call it Quest Worlds, which is probably a much easier name for everyone to remember, apart from the people that are confused by no longer being Quest Worlds. But there you go. Um, so that's my that's my current role, and I'm, we're developing a new version of the the game engine, uh, which in traditional custom tradition will be out when it's ready. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no dates yet. So interestingly enough, actually, Hero Quest, so Quest Worlds, we ought to really to call it now, has has made an appearance on a number of occasions. Has, uh, yeah. Jim Jim Mosley being a, a big fan uh, and uh, keeps trying to push it, but you know. We won't be swayed by popularity, so. Uh, I, I, I think good the, to hear. The, <laughs> the, the, the done thing is probably for me not to to, to, to to vote for it myself. But if any of the rest of you wanted to, I'm sure I could find my way into like you know, in sending you a check in the yeah. post um, oh. to well, okay. make sure that your contribution <laughs> was appreciated. <laughs> well, we we have of course had uh, Doctor Paul Mitchner on. Uh, and he rather shamelessly voted for liminal. So uh, <laughs> I, I, there is precedent. There is precedent. So we talked. To, uh, so we get, we're going to start with uh, with monsters uh, as sort of a catch-all title for the uh, the the enemy facing um, uh, facing the players within uh, the Frankenstein's RPG. So, and, and Steve, I, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, I know you, you've got an exhaustive uh, presentation to give us, yes. but you know if you, if you could sort of praise it, uh, I believe you've done it in sculpture. I think, yeah, yeah, it's just... through the medium of interpretive dance, actually. Um, oh, oh, that was what yeah. I was going to do. Ah, oh, sorry, mime now. I had wondered why why you were sat there in a tutu, Lee, but it's, it's very fetching. It's very fetching. It's Thursday. <laughs> so, clearly, Steve. Uh, coming to you, monsters, protagonists. What uh, what, what do you think? Okay. Uh, how, how do you think would we we could find the best sort of example uh, of of the sort of the enemy, if you like? For, okay. for so I came at it office. from um, somebody who sort of enjoys running games generally. Mm. Um, usually, things become a bit difficult when you hit combat. So really, what I'm interested in is, you know, how we present or how a game can present monsters or NPCs that lets me run a combat without getting a terrible headache doing it okay. and also it taking a whole session to run run a, a combat so what i'm interested in is uh and again this is brilliant radar so you won't be able to see this but you might want to take a, a screenshot of it and stick it up on uh, on the show notes which i know you you're religious about doing dave um so uh <laughs> so basically what, I, what i'm thinking about is is uh looking at npcs or monsters how they're presented in, in the rules in terms of um, the usability, 
So, you know, I'm thinking high usability is something where actually the load on the GM is is uh, is pretty low. And then the other end of it is where you've got essentially it's, it's all down to the GM. There's a huge amount of, you know, thinking and, and worrying away the brain has to do when you're running a combat with, you know, multiple player characters are all doing different things at the same time. And then okay. on the other side of it, so running uh, so the other uh, axis, if you like, is around the level of detail in the NPC. So, you know, games which have got very, very low detail mm-hmm. in compared to the player character. So things like my my go-to on this end of it is Forge in the Dark type games, or maybe even Hero Quest or Quest Worlds might be an example where actually there's very little. Uh, and then you've got the other end of it where you've got, you know, essentially NPCs or monsters are described in, in a essentially the same way as characters are. So that's where I'm coming from it. Hope that makes sense. Do you want me to delve into the, the horrible detail of it now? And just no. So, so, so forged forged in the dark and hero quest. You, you've sort of given examples of presenting those sort of protagonists particularly well. Um, well, no. Well, let's think. So, what I've said is is that that, that they give. There's not a lot of information, a lot of uh, detail around NPC. So, if we take, I mean, five E as an example, okay, okay. Is where that yeah. sort of sits, it's got all this, the characteristics. It's got you know details about so skills. It talks about the um, you know what their attacks are, uh, what their feats are, what the legendary feats are. So, really, there's a lot. It's highly specified in terms of the mm-hmm. the information it's given to the to the to the GM. Okay, so that's sort of in the middle, if you like. Um, then towards the the low level of detail, it doesn't low detail doesn't mean bad. It just means that's the amount of information you've got to work with as a, as a GM. I say yeah. things like Forge in the Dark, like Scum and Villainy, which I know is a science fiction game, but a Forge in the Dark type game, like Blaze in the Dark, mm-hmm. and then Quest Worlds is one again, low on detail, not bad. Just you know, it, there's not a lot of information necessarily there for you to have to crunch in the game. Mm-hmm. And then the other end I've put as, um, and I can go through where I've located various games in this this sort of matrix, if you like. Um, you've got something like RuneQuest. Essentially, the, the NPCs are exactly the same as the character. So of all of those, which would you say is sort of, as a sort of specific kind of, okay, this is the one I'm going to go for. Okay, so, I'll, I'll go for, I'll go for, so I, my ideal quadrant is high usability, low level of detail. <laughs> Okay. This, this is this is all great. It gets so terribly complicated. Yeah. Okay. Uh, high level. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go on, go on. High level yeah. usability and a relatively low level. So when I'm talking about low level detail, it means you, there's not a lot of loads on the GM to remember yeah. things or to crunch numbers. Okay. Yeah. So if I take the opposite corner from that, so low low usability for me. This is obviously personal, and there's a high yeah. level of information. RuneQuest. When I'm trying to run a combat in RuneQuest, it's always well. I'm not sure that there's not a lot of guides in terms of what the character, what the NPC would do. So they've got yeah. a whole list of spells, you know, like, like, as an, like a player character would. And you have to make a lot of decisions on behalf of that NPC, both in terms of what they might do, what's their motivation, and also what they yeah. can do. Plus you're trying to handle a tactical potential combat situation. So RuneQuest is down there, sort of, you know, uh, low usability, relatively low usability, and high detail. And in there, I've, I've Plumped 5e as well, similar sort of thing. A bit more usable because they, they guide you with things like lair actions or legendary actions for the, for the really big monsters. Earthdawn okay. is in that box as well. Um, and so, and again, if we look at the rest of the low usability stuff, you're going to hate me for this, like Murph, for example. 
low usability, <laughs> I think. Although I don't know why that sounds insulting, but okay. <laughs> when you look at the way information is presented, yeah, again, it's it's much simpler than a, a full character. So it's, it's okay. a simple stat yeah. line. And yeah. then I say we've already talked about scum and villainy. So those are the ones that, on the one end, you've got um, liminal because liminal is very, you know, it's essentially it's like like. Um, uh, like talked about, like specify like a character is, but liminal wins because the system's easy. So actually, it doesn't it doesn't take a lot to do it. But then okay. we move over into sort of yeah 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 top quality. These are the ones I really love in terms of running the combat, relatively low detail, high usability. And in there you've got Call of Cthulhu, you've got Spire, old school essentials, um, Wolfrup, so warm fancy role play, the One Ring. I think won that one. But the winner for me at the risk of monologuing for the whole two hours, is <laughs> yes. Lands, okay? Because... Forbidden Lands. Presented. Forbidden Lands from the pre-league, because it's simply presented, okay? There's not a lot to crunch. And when a monster's come to smash you over the head, you don't have to make any decisions. You just roll a dice, and it gives a range of different attacks. So in Forbidden Lands, you roll a D6, I think it's D6, and it'll say, the harpy vomits all over your head. Number two is the harpy flies in the air and throws poo at you or something like that. That's so you all you do is roll the dice, but each one has got a a range of different and it's and, quite flavorful. Each one's got a link to excretion. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> or, or you know, other monsters will do, you know, other monsters are available. Um Okay. Okay. So, yeah, so that's interesting. So so very interestingly, you sort of thought about okay, what is the the sort of the simplest way of encountering the monsters, as well as the, the potential monster itself. So, would we would we take Forbidden Lands? The sort of the, I guess, the, the monster manual of Forbidden Lands would be uh, would be the one you turn to first. I, or? Think, it's, I think it's the way that they they take that they've obviously done it from the with play in mind, so yeah. usability, you know. So the the actual stats themselves mm. are very stripped down. It's just what you need to know. And then your decisions that you have to make, apart from as a gem, apart from moving them around, is you know that's it. Then you roll dice and it hits the character in, a, in an interesting way, rather than just I bash you with a sword. It 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 it's alarming that it feels like you thought about this. It's so scientific. I wish I was drinking coffee and not beer. I, I'm failing to keep up. It's fine. Well, sadly, what the, what what the listeners can't see is that we also do have from Steve a graph. With X and Y axes, with the various gamers marked in their positions on it. I I would say, if anyone needs a research assistant um, as as a game designer, I can recommend Steve at this point. I've seen his work, and it is quite comprehensive. I'm not not sure you should necessarily necessarily done it in 3D, but, you know, well played. Three-dimensional chess is the only way to go. So, yeah, Yeah. for me, the land, so that's the reason why. There you go. Very clever. Okay. Tamsin. I, I, I'm going to come to you now. How am I going to follow that? I, I really don't know. Um, so I picked two games that I want to talk okay. about, and I haven't made my decision yet, so I'll maybe make Good. it as we go through. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and this is obviously only for people watching on video. Uh, the first game I'd like to talk about is Orpheus. Mm. Ooh. Not familiar. The other one, and this is quite disturbing because I had to turn the house upside down trying to find the book, and I could not find the book. So um, I've had to do it on PDF. The other one is Black Crusade. Mm. 
So those are the two games that I'm going to talk about for okay. very different so, reasons. So you, you've, you've absolutely played a blindsider for me. Everybody else is sort of nodding. But I, I don't know either of those games, actually. What? See, there you I go. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I don't know on Steve's graph either, which so I'm doubting my earlier wisdom of recommending Steve's assistance. <laughs> See, I go for, 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 for depth, not breadth, you see. That's what, that's what we're going for, though. He, he's, so, he's, he's now he's sobbing in the corner because he didn't get these two. Right, well, then I will Tems, give you... Tems, so, come on. Yeah, I'll start with Orpheus. So yeah. um, Orpheus is a uh, White Wolf storytelling game. It actually has the, the dubious honour of being the last game that they published in Old World of Darkness before they became... New World of Darkness, or whatever you like to call it. Um, but um, it's described as ghost stories for ghosts. And what one of the things I love about it is it's six books, done. Um, that's it. So you just get six books, one to six, and you progress through the books. And as you go through, it's a story, um, big meta arc, and your character changes and the setting changes. And what's crucial to this discussion is the monsters change. <laughs> so right, as you, you as you go through the books, and if anyone, and I'm not going to give any spoilers because um, if people want to play it, and I recommend you do, I don't want to ruin it for you, but okay. you start off um, agents of the Orpheus group and you're kind of, you have ghost-like abilities or you are a ghost, in fact, or you can project like a ghost. And you have the bad guys who are probably pretty stereotypical. It's evil corporation kind of thing. Bad guys, ghosts, that's who you're going after. So they're the monsters at the beginning. And very much so by the end, they are not the monsters. <laughs> I'm not going to give away who is, but I love the progression that it changes. So I ran this for my group over many years because it's got yeah. that kind of flexibility i don't know if anyone else here has played it to know <laughs> what on earth i'm talking about <laughs> um or uh, anyone in listening land is probably like what you're talking about um oh, oh believe good. me there will be pe there will be yes, people yes. who will play this um, yeah. yeah but it's so that is why so it's not traditional monsters in the sense but I just well they are they're ghosts with all the type of ghost type abilities but it's because the monsters change so you're not on the, on the same people okay so but would it be possible uh, to do this out with that story arc so, yeah. so do you think you could use them you could because I'm, I'm yeah, then thinking so it's if, not, you, if it's, it's, if not it's that intrinsically linked to it no, 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 it's not. Fab. It's um, okay. it's kind of the big arcs. And actually, it's great because they also did novels. I mean, if you're oh, geeky, okay. you buy the books as well. And that gives you more story hooks. So it's very much just uh, something for you to hang on. And it's like once your group is feel they're finished with the first book, you can go on to the next one, but you run your own adventures within it. Like it. Yeah. Like it. So yeah. we sort of start as as these sort of evil goes. So go on. See. Can I can I ask then? So as far as that goes, it, is it is it the the sort of the narrative element of it that the the monsters become the not monsters, or that, that your perception, the characters' perceptions of them change as they go through? Is that what you like, or is it is it how they're presented in the book? I like, yeah, I like how the universe changes. Okay. So the universe by book six is so completely different to the universe at book one. And your characters are completely different and the monsters are completely different. 
just because of the story you know what world of darkness is like they like to blow things up so there's a lot of metaphorical (laughs) blowing of things up as you go along good and evolving of secrets and things like that there is a reason there is a reason why i hate doing this podcast which is that inevitably somebody goes oh this is a brilliant game and i go oh not another one and and then i go and buy it so I am all the poorer for this, and it's looking like Orpheus may well be next. But anyway, okay, so yeah, you did also yeah. talk about Black Crusade. Black Crusade, yes. So probably mm-hmm. a bit more familiar um, to everyone. Black Crusade, Fancy Flights, Warhammer, 40K Roleplay. Mm-hmm. So the reason I chose this one is because it's you're playing the worshippers of the Dark Gods in a 40K universe. And for me, there are so few games that do the evil, and I'm doing quotation air quotes here, the evil bit well. Because I think a lot of the time you just go, you know, D&D or whatever, yeah, you're just this, but you're evil. <laughs> or you're just this, but you're evil. Whereas in Black Crusades, yes, you work for the dark gods, but you're not inherently evil. It's, yeah, you're not just like, well, I'm just going to kill puppies because, you know, I like killing puppies. That's pretty much not <laughs> not the idea in Black Crusade. This, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't Greek therapy to, to bring you in. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So it's, it's you know, you have, um, you have motivations. It's all about corruption and the system, fighting the system rather than being kind of lawful evil for the, the sake of it. So that's one reason I love it. I chose it for this. Because the monsters in Black Crusade are the characters that we have all played. So they're the Space Marines, they're the Imperial Navy, they're the Inquisitors. So where it flips it. So normally you've been playing it from the other side. So I really like that idea. And then finally, and I am going on a bit. Um, no, no, no. The... Um, the idea as well, and it's something that I keep going on about because everyone kind of can be quite um, 40K, how amazing and stuff 40K is. And I think they miss out the grim part. I think it's the grimmest, darkest, most depressing, horrible <laughs> setting ever. That people just go, ooh, Space Marines. And so for me, <laughs> you know, sorry, I have this ongoing thing. I think it's awful. It's just like, why would you want to live that? Anyway, um, in this game, I think like the Emperor and the Space Marines are recognized for the monsters that they actually are. Like it actually calls them out. Look at the way they run things, look at the way they behave. It's actually monstrous. So there you go. It's like the the road to hell is paved with good intentions, isn't it? As far as the Black Crusade goes, and and that I mean mm-hmm. that comes out a lot in the uh, the Horus Heresy novels. So that a lot of the anti heroes sort of start on that because of wanting to do good stuff, but then yeah. you know, dark gods get hold of them, and that's that. So mm-hmm. so essentially, then the, the monsters it, they may not actually be you, but they they look an awful lot like you. Brilliant, good, like that, and and actually similar kind of uh that similar sort of arc almost to them isn't it where one is sort of almost explicit you'd go from one there a bit like i guess you could say jeff bezos in in, in amazon start off as like something quite innocent but you've ended up as you know evil bond villain okay. uh black crusade though i like the idea of you know you are you know it, it, it could be you 
<laughs> not you specifically, sorry. I wasn't being, uh, being weird. No, it could be me. Uh, sorry. Nah. <laughs> Good. Like that. If I was Jeff Bezos, though, I, I wouldn't, and I was launching, you know, my blue origin or whatever it is that he, he's going to space in. I would mm. demand that to my to my team that we were going to launch it from a volcano layer where the top would roll back and I could launch. And there's there's no point in being a billionaire with that kind of wealth if your ambition is so small as to simply launch from a launch tower. Sure, I don't think it on anything else, is it? No, <laughs> it's like a, it's, it's, it's like a billionaire big... right anymore, do they? No, it's like a big plane. And and actually, what I'd also do is I'd have a couple of big space marines behind me. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely that. Well, it's all We're about the modernity of evil, isn't it, with Jeff Bezos, isn't it? So it's it's not glorious and, and overpowering. It's just very very dull. This is this is unusual that we're actually uh, that, that we're giving side to a real life person as opposed to just tra- traveller. This is, <laughs> this is, this is develop- I feel like we're growing, Ian. Perhaps I could come to you next. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm, Monsters I'm, protagonists, we've had t- two very, very different takes so far. I first want to say that Steve stole all my homework, uh, so this could be very short. No, um, <laughs> But I, I did a similar thing that I, I thought about, hey, what type of classifications of approach are there? So I won't repeat yeah. all that, but um, I, I'm going to be talking a little bit about what that means, I think. So mm-hmm. I saw it as three kind of groups. One is um, there is really no mechanical description of the MPC because the, the rule system effectively doesn't need one. And so we, we focus much more on description. One where effectively there is no difference between how a player is presented and uh, uh, an antagonist. And mm-hmm. the other is that where effectively there is some kind of middle ground. It interfaces, but it's not the same. So I thought I'd start at the far end, actually, um, the kind of you know more storytelling game approach. And yeah. I thought I'd talk a little bit about maybe a specific example of Apocalypse World. So Apocalypse World... If I have an antagonist, most of the in say apocalypse world, they're you know starving humans, um, equally fighting you for the few resources, the can of dog food that basically looks very attractive right now. Um, what you do is you describe them simply as a, a body part. In, in uh, most cases, I tend to when I run it choose an organ. It seems to make more sense to me to uh, just have to say someone described as heart or stomach. You can name. So there are um, there's, a, there's a bit of a guide to how you basically create suitable apocalypse world kind of names that yeah. the idea is that they're kind of misunderstandings of prior culture um but uh you, you just simply give them uh, a an, a a body organ as being their primary motivation so heart or brain or stomach so if someone's stomach you play them as greedy you know um always thinking about um you know base desires etc someone is brain they may be more intellectual etc and the idea is that you don't lock yourself too much into a complex write-up of the NPC because mm-hmm. the NPC can then evolve to meet the ongoing situation. It gets us a little bit into this idea of backstory. Backstory is play before play, and and do we want to, if that all has been written down somewhere, how do I mm-hmm. know it will ever emerge at the table? Is it just a waste? Whereas if I want to do in a storytelling game very much I want to improvise I want to make up npcs on the spur of the moment so that's very simple i can just say oh this npc is heart they're all about heart about emotion about caring etc and then i can kind of develop the npc as play progresses and bring out new factors but okay. centering around that's their primary motivation and idea um and i and it's 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 great for um improv at the table so if you're playing a kind of storytelling game or where players have 
big freedom of action and you, the GM, have to react. You don't want to be confronted by, I need a stat block. Uh, what you really want to do is have a simple system for figuring out what might this NPC's reaction be. So I will okay. just use that. Middle ground, maybe we'll go to next. So the middle ground, I think, is interesting. Obviously, we mentioned D&D. I think the other standout one that I think is interesting there is one like Numenera. Um, okay. Numenera, I, I like quite a lot the way it does it in the sense that, you know, Numenera also has this kind of core mechanic with this kind of difficulty rating. And so you get levels monsters and they have a few stats like hit points and stuff. But the presentation of them is really nice and it focuses on this is the weird. So, I, you know, pictures are great, especially with things that are weird, which is text is kind of a bit hard to convey exactly what you mean especially if you can show them to players that helps capture the real mood of what's going on so anything really that uh games that really go in for um hey we're going to give you visual representation Mm. of the of the thing so you can show them i loved those early kind of um dnd scenarios that came with the picture booklets so you could say this is what happens I know some folks don't like it because they think it breaks your immersion if the GM shows you a picture as opposed to being kind of more in, in your head. Yeah. But I still think with with monsters and in fantasy settings, it is sometimes nice to have a feel for what they look like. So I quite like that yeah. kind of yeah. high art value of human error there. And, 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 and this, also every, everybody then understands where, right. they're, where they're at. Don't they? So you've got yeah. a reference point. Yeah. Okay. So they have you subscriptions of how to use them in the game? How would you mm-hmm. use this in context and what the typical kind of tactics might be? So that's definitely a positive. The, the other side, if you're more on the storytelling game, side of that middle ground is something like Fate. And Fate has um, divides between kind of uh, nameless NPCs. You just give them a couple of yep. skills supporting they get a little bit more they may get things like a trouble and a, a sort of more of a a few aspects so they come a bit more three bit more three-dimensional and and main npc so just like pcs really and both be your main antagonists okay. i quite like that shaping of kind of you've got basically somebody nameless you've got somebody which is what you want most of the time you just basically hey the players meet somebody great i need to have a, i need to create a, an npc on the spot I'll come up with a name from uh, the uh, uh, onomastic or something like that. Basically, effectively, I come up with a name and I can just write down a couple of skills, approach the situation. You can go up for things that are genuinely important to your story. Yeah. And then the last section would then be, you know, full-on monsters protagonists as PCs. Now, I agree with Steve. The problem with that quite often is how how usable is that? Can you improvise and stuff? Now, computing has actually made a huge difference. I mean, back in the day when RuneQuest first came out, what Kelsim did was basically they got a computer program and they produced supplements like Fangs and Militia and Mercer. It's a whole book you could buy of just stat blocks, and then you would effectively dig out one of those when you needed one of those, and you just you know cross things off. So you could do that kind of play. Nowadays, of course, you can just put the program in a web browser. So there's a great pro- uh, program for RuneQuest on basic roleplaying.net called Adversaries that effectively lets you generate pretty much any RuneQuest uh, monster you want on the fly and get a whole nicely neatly laid out stat blocks for them. So some of that pain is solvable now, I think. But what I really wanted to focus on with, say, that aspect was more what it changed for us. So and I really wanted to talk about RuneQuest Troll Pack. Okay. So Troll Pack was, I think, quite a revolution in the sense that up until that point when you've got games like D&D, uh, antagonists are monsters, they're things that you kill and the way that they're described and the, even yeah. the alignment system is around, let's just murder these things, right? And somebody once said, why does D&D have alignments? It has alignments so that orcs can be chaotic evil and you can murder them, right? 
obviously nowadays we can see a whole world of potential danger behind what that may be masking in terms of you know attitudes towards colonialism and that kind of thing so it's become much more you know something people are feeling much more dubious about that kind of thing but Trollpack comes out i think i don't know the date 81 something like that i think and Trollpack says hey trolls which have been the kind of orc equivalent in the original book hey they have a culture hey they have a history hey they have a society they have a way that they work hey they're that I think Greg Stafford's comment was trolls are people too. <laughs> and they, they took this race that was a monster race and they said, let's really take this antagonist race and show you that they have genuine motivations for what they are doing. Sometimes mm-hmm. you and they will actually be working towards the same goal. Sometimes their, your, their, their goals and yours are, an, uh, are, are in opposition and you may enter into conflict with them, but it made them relatable. Um, and I think that was quite important uh, because even now that uh, creates a, a very different um, environment for role playing in that yeah. uh, you're, you're not then constrained with this thing of they're just evil. They have motivations and they're genuinely uh, interesting. Uh, it, it's funny isn't it? because it, it genuinely is this sort of idea of uh, are these things just fodder? Yeah, and you, yeah, as you're saying about the step, it's easy. The easy thing is to go, okay, there's a load of goblins over there, go and kill them. Yeah, uh, rather than sort of thinking about it, get a bit more out of it. So, okay, interesting. So, is, is there anything of those you talked about? You know, and obviously, Runecrest Troll Pack, Numenera Fate, Apocalypse World. Any of those you sort of thinking at the moment? Oh, I quite fancy having a look at that in a bit more depth. Or I, I think recommend? the one I would want to put in would be Troll Pack itself. Not even necessarily Rukas as a system, but Trollpack, just because yeah. I think that is the, to me, that's the blue ribbon way of um, talking about basically a, an antagonist. It's, it's uh, mm-hmm. human, probably humanised is the wrong term, but it's giving them a reality in the same way as, as Tamsin was talking about Black Crusade. So it's actually mm-hmm. the enemies aren't enemies and enemies, they're just individuals with different motivations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Good, good. Like that. Significantly, the deepest we've gotten so far. I think uh, I'm tempted to go next and ruin the illusion that you could be sensible about this sort of thing. But uh, I'll come to Lee. Lee, it's okay. uh, your turn in the spotlight. How, how have you approached this? Well, initially, I, I approached this by scratching my head a lot and thinking, like, <laughs> what, what do I care? They're just monsters. They just come with the game. You know, it's like it's, it's part of the game. That that's it. And and I thought, well, do I have a favourite monster or monster type? And and I came to the conclusion, no, no, I don't actually. <laughs> um, you know, again, it's part of the game, and whatever game you're yeah. playing, that the setting is probably more important than the actual system to, to what how the monsters are, how they react, and how you use them, and how the players face them, etc. Yeah. So, and it wasn't until this morning that I I. I really sort of like I kind of actually try and have something concrete and I still haven't but um what, what, what do I you know if I'm running a game really want to do with, with, with creatures monsters you know or yeah. protagonists or, or, or whatever and and, and I, I was going through all, all my all my stuff on my OneDrive, all the games I've got on there because I was at work so I was just looking for it and I I, I, zero, I honed in on King of Dungeons 
Okay, by Baz Stevens. So yeah, yeah. that book basically doesn't have any monsters in it at all. But what it does have is a really good chapter on how to create them and add them into a game of King of Dungeons. Okay. Now, I, I know that King of Dungeons is based a lot off of 13th Age, which I don't own, so I, I, I don't know how uh, what I'm going to talk about, how, how much of that is drawn out of 13th Age. I'm going to just talk about King of Dungeons because yeah, that's okay. all I can. Yeah, yeah. So it, it starts off there that, you know, you have um, in your game, you're going to have monsters or NPCs that your players are going to come up against, and, and that's fine. The first thing it does, it says, well, they, they scale with the game. The game comes in three levels, um, which is um, adventurer, conqueror, or king. And that's based on the level of your player's guild, which increases. You start off, you start, you start anywhere in the game, but if you start at the beginning, you start off at level one, everyone's level one, and so is your yeah. guild. And then you, it, there's 10 levels, basically, up to king. So, so you have these three tiers, which have... Um, not a stat block, but a line against them. It says, so on the adventure level, it just has um, initiative will typically be 13 or 11, 13 or 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and attack, you know, you'll, you'll have um, scores for that. And it comes up with what the average hit points will be and how many abilities they will have. So mm-hmm. that gives you your base start. And that, that can be anything from a goblin to you know a hydra or anything you like. So you can chuck anything in here and you just have this baseline um, stat block or whatever you want to call it for that creature. Yeah. Now, then it says uh, also got the NPCs or the creatures and protagonists will also have roles. Okay. So one of the roles is controller. So um, they're going to be there um, organizing the others and complicating the, the combat, moving things around. So it's not going to be necessarily straightforward fight. They're going to have, throw in some sort of tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, so their will will be higher. And it tells you to add on like plus two will for that. Then you've got lurkers. These are going to be like ambushers. So you can have a group of, of goblins at whatever level you want, and some of them could be lurkers. So they, they'll be hiding in the wings. And, you know, if, you're, if it comes to a fight, then they'll jump out and and try and surprise the players. So that, that they'll have a, another bonus on one of their stats as well. Then there'll be an art, can have someone who's artillery. So, you know, they're going to use missile weapons um, and wreckers. So they're going to be like nasty brutes and they're just going to smash mm-hmm. things, including you. Um, and then soldiers are going to be like your, your tanks, you know, your tough people that are going to suck up the damage and stay stick in the fight for some time, probably. And then... Underneath that are sub roles, minions. So, so we have mooks in there. So, mm-hmm. and and they're only going to deal half damage, and they've only got one hit point. And you, just, you know, you can just throw them in. And then you've got an elite. Um, so that's going to be well, like your lieutenant or someone like that. So they, they're going to have yep. they're going to have double strength, double hit points, double the usual hit points, and an extra ability. So. If this was adventure level, they might have two or three abilities rather than just the one. And it's yeah. all listed later on. And then you've got a solo, which is like your your henchman, mm-hmm. your top hench- henchman. So they're going to be, uh, they, they do double damage. They've got triple the average, you know, the, the regular HP for that level. 
and they will have more abilities, etc. that you can add on. And then on top of that, you've got a leader, which will be your, your big boss, your big bad. And okay. so you can apply these sub roles to them, etc. Um, and their key part is that they um, affect morale saves. Okay. So that, that that's their that's what they bring to the group of NPCs that come here. But you, you, you just tack that on, you just keep it all as a line, keep going. And that can be any creature you like. So then they all they have um kickers, which are like a mini AI. So that's the equivalent of what Steve was saying earlier, where you roll a dice and yeah. they do something. So there's there's a list of kickers that they do so that they'll um you know that, that's how they're going to do it. And okay, so so that, that's sort of this is a system of of, of coming yes. up with whatever the protagonist because it, it's very much it's essentially it's a dungeon crawl kind of thing, isn't it? The, the that, that game is. Oh, you know, although yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be. I mean, but no. one of the the um, yeah the, the main. Uh, I think what's quite attractive is it specifies the, the the creatures quite easily, and you can yeah. you can probably come up with stuff quite quickly on the fly. So you yes. call it a you know an orc or a manticore or whatever to the players, but actually it's a very simple set of stats behind it. Yeah, um, it's it's elite, I, I like it because it cause it scales. I mean, okay. you know, like if you look at five E, you know, and, and games in that ilk, they have to keep coming out with tougher and tougher monsters. Yeah. You know, because people play at higher and higher levels in those games. So you know, uh, and it just gets crazy, and you get to the point where you know, originally they came out with the Deities and Demigods book. You know, and you, you stand toe to toe with with you know with Zeus. You know, and it's just crazy. Whereas this, it does scale. And you can scale your your what you know your lower creatures mm-hmm. to the to your style and level of play. And I, and I just think that that initially that that went against everything I thought of. Um, but, you know, this is very loose. It well, very loosely describes your, you know, you very loose monsters that you describe yeah. By, yeah. by putting those attributes on them. Okay, so 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 sort of King of Dungeons for it's it's a flexibility, but also as you say, that's this ability to do something very very quickly, and, and to sort of flesh out encounters as it yes. was. Yes, yeah. I mean, it takes a few times to go through it and get used to it, but everything yeah, like that yeah. does. But um, you know, but you don't have to have then you know a great big list of monsters no or a bestiary or anything like that you just mm. make it up okay it gives you the tools to make that and yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that's yeah and that's what i came up with in the end and, I, and that was it <laughs> <laughs> it's good no it's good as you said the, the the thing is it's that sort of uh, you know and then when you go to the that sort of the other end of it, which would be the sort of story game, it's approaching the thing in, in slightly the same way, which is instead of having, you know, the, it's a narrative exercise that allows you the flexibility when, you know, Ian, you were talking about the, the ability to define a, 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 a an encounter with somebody who is a, 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 an, a described by one word and it happens to be a body organ. As opposed to Lee, the other way, which is very much that sort of almost that dungeon crawl side of things, where it's okay. The, this is how you can very, very quickly come up with a different, a different encounter, different style, but similarly adaptable. So, yeah, good. Okay, so King of Dungeons, right? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leap in with mine. I, I, as I said at the beginning, you know, uh, there is only really one simpleton here, and it's me, and I, and I approached it pretty much head on. 
what what game has got some really good monsters in it? <laughs> and actually, and I went with uh, where you, where you can can you see that? Dragon it's back to front of you. Nograd, whatever that is. Dragon warriors. Dragon warriors. Now, uh, the reason for that is not necessarily that I think it has uh, the best. Um, it, it, I, I don't think it's the best game. There's lots of holes in it. Lots of things that aren't, aren't particularly brilliant. But the setting, and and out of that, the monsters that are in there, I think, are a fantastic example of how you can draw on cultural references. And in this case, I think it's that sort of uh, the sort of the, the the fae and fairy stories, I guess you'd say, and and myths and legends of essentially Europe, but more specifically Britain. Now, now, the only other one I thought of uh, sort of uh, putting putting forward uh, was liminal. And, and the reason... Voting <laughs> no just on... Um... <laughs> yeah, so, so limin, liminal wins. No, but, but, but I, I think it's, it's interesting. I find that Dragon Warriors is uh, the way that the, the actual sort of... Uh, the monsters are sort of encountered the way that they uh, are, are entwined in this land of legend. It just has this extraordinary sort of resonance. And I don't know whether it's, you know, whether you could go as far as to say, you know, it's sort of this uh, odd sort of racial memory, if you like, but, but, but I think it, what it is, is that it, when you start off very young, you get told about you know, the fairies at the bottom of the garden and you, you know, the boggets and all those sorts of things that you, you end up. And so they all, and I think for a, for a game that was of its time in the 80s, quite a simple game, uh, a little bit of an antidote, I guess, to sort of uh, Dungeons and Dragons to, to an extent, although lots of similarities. The setting I thought was fantastic and the monsters are brilliant. And, you know, interestingly enough, we talked about this with uh, in the, the podcast we did on art and John Hodgson referenced in particular, whether you, you can see that this, this, was, uh, this was the elf it's very sort of effete looking elf, but there, you know, there were other things in there. Like uh, I'm trying now desperately to think what they were, but yeah, obviously giant spiders. You've got dwarves are in there. Dragons are dealt with very well, but then you have things like death's heads, and you have goblins, or a particular type of goblin. The hobgoblins are very tough, and the fairy she and all this sort of. So I, that's I, I've, it's always stuck me, with me that it's it's only really in two books that they have plenty of the monsters in. But it's always stuck with me, and I think it always has this slightly mystical edge to it. Uh, you know, this sort of sense of otherness, which I've always enjoyed with Dragon Warriors. So uh, that that would be my. Uh, yeah, I, I remember there was one monster, and it had to be invited in, and it was in one of the adventures where a window broke, and it okay. sort of thought, "Well, yeah, that, that's the. I, I, I've been invited in." So, but it wasn't yeah. a vampire; it was some sort of ghost spirit or something. Yeah, Salem's lot. The, the the reason for the reason for liminal was similarly where I think um, I think Paul's been very clever in the way that he's designed it because again it's one of these things where you don't have to explain anything. If you say that there is a presence of you know the Fay Court, I, I, there's a, so again there's maybe that resonance I guess uh, that, that's called on. So I, I particularly like those two, but Dragon Warriors I think is going to be my. Uh, my nomination so i'm going to come back on the line so i'm definitely going for dragon warriors as the sort of uh almost like a beastiary but but i'm, I'm inclined to suggest that actually some of the things that have been talked about are an awful lot better than that so i'll go back i'll go can i break, can I break, can I break your on. system then 
because it sounds like there's two parts to this. One is like a mechanical aspect. Yeah. And then another part is a thematic aspect. Yeah, I mean so. everything else. Everything else is broken. So what, what, <laughs> why on earth wouldn't we? <laughs> so so I, when I come to vote, I want to vote for two things. I want to vote for a thematic side and the mechanical side. But you know, you're, you're the arbiter, obviously. <laughs> mm. Okay, so so we could actually end up with two th- thematic uh, and uh, actual, if you like. Okay, Lee, uh, you can't uh, uh, obviously. Uh, we're not on the voting side of it yet, sorry. Uh, King of Dungeons, that's definitely the one you're going to be nominating? Yes, that, that's all I came with. King, King of Dungeons it is. Ian, now we did talk about it. You did talk about Troll Pack as being the uh, specific sort of. Yeah. But it's that idea of, of there being, you know, trolls are people too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so Troll Pack, Trolls of People 2. So, what so I'm expecting the, the Frankenstein's RPG to come with a range of supplements describing each of the <laughs> antagonists in loving detail with yeah. fantastic art. Um, that's where um, you can make the money, David. Blackbox. That's where you're going to make the money. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, you've overestimated something. I've got a horrible <laughs> feeling. I've got a horrible feeling it might be me. <laughs> troll Pack, though. Good. Tamsin. Now, we talked about Orpheus, we talked about Black Crusade. Yeah. So I've, um, hands up, I did a terrible job of describing the monsters in Orpheus. Um, I was far too excited about the strange structure. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. You can't hear me, no? Can anybody hear yeah. me? Yeah. Oh, you can, can hear can. me. Apologies, Tamsin. Could you start <laughs> again, sorry? Weird. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Um, hands up! I did a terrible job of describing the monsters in Orpheus. I didn't describe them at all. Um, I only talked about the system. No, no, not at all. Not at all. So, so it, based on that, <laughs> because I don't want to, I were, my votes with Black Crusade because I think there aren't enough systems where you get to play the monster, but you're not actually. It's it's broader than that. You're not. You're a kind of monster rather than the monster. Ooh. I knew there was a reason you were on here. That's, that's, oh, that's clever. Steve, come on. You uh, mentioned about uh, 20 games. In yeah, I did. But I'm, I'm, going, I'm going for uh, a choice of a game of, for combat purposes, running so mechanically. I'm going for Forbidden Lands. Mm. When we did the sci-fi, I'll do Alien, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> okay, okay. Fascinating. Right, so we do now come to the vote. So we have uh, Steve. You have uh, nominated Forbidden Lands. Ian, it's a troll pack, but it's specifically this idea, uh, monsters are people too. Tamsin, Black Crusade. Mm-hmm. And Lee, King of Dungeons, and uh, me, it's Dragon Warriors. Okay, so bearing in mind you cannot vote for your own, uh, I'm going to go again uh, bottom up. So, Lee, you cannot vote for uh, King of Dungeons. It's quite difficult because it, it's now evenly split between like looking at framework or looking at the actual creatures or monsters. Um, just for the nostalgia value, I'm going to say <laughs> Dragon Warriors. I've still got the books somewhere, and, and they and they did have a flavour, and they did work. And okay, 
And I think so, that's really what we should have been looking at is, is the monsters rather than the, like I have done with the framework. Okay. Are you saying the brief was too broad? I think. <laughs> well, it I feel me, I'm with you on that, that one, that, Lee. That doesn't there's, mean much. There's, but, there's, um, there's no brief here. What the heck are you talking about? Uh, okay. Dr- Dragon Warriors gets one point. I'm, I'm saying that's a win. Uh, Tamsin, uh, you cannot obviously vote for Black Crusade. No, and everything else was so different. Now, I love simplicity. If anyone who's ever game with me, I basically hate dice and I hate rules. So, um, well, I mean, I love dice, but I hate rolling them. Uh, So, but, no, it's the recriminations. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think... um, my heart, and I'm I'm absolutely approaching this whole um, choosing selection process with my heart. My heart is Dragon Warriors, because but down, and that probably goes back to my childhood of uh, gaming from a wee lass. I I I know how to pull the heartstrings. You see, yeah, it's, it's the old romantic in me. He's an expert, yeah. isn't he? He's good at this. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to come back one day. So maybe I'm just like. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you've, got, you've definitely got to come back for science fiction. That's, that's without a doubt. Uh, Ian, coming to you now. Uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, I think that um, given given the direction I'm leaning in, I, I, I may uh, make you very happy, Dave, and say that um, from what, you know, from, for, that the feeling about Dragon Warriors, therefore, to me, would be. You know, it's the feeling of the monsters, etc., and and their role that maybe I would probably out of that set opt for Dragon Warriors as well. I should vote for uh, something else, to make it more entertaining, really. But I just go home, really. <laughs> it's like strictly come dancing with the the glitter yeah. holes, isn't it? Everyone just votes. Yeah, I should really go. Oh, you know, I, I should be I, more interesting and pick a different candidate. I'm, I'm, I'm the Anne Widdicom of uh, <laughs> Frankenstein's RPG. Give a T-shirt with that on now. There you go. No. Frankenstein's am... RPG, the Anne Widdicom. Oh my god! I, oh, cool, cool. It's, it's cool, a shame because because I'd have voted for Orpheus just because of your impassioned description oh, of it. Uh, if you'd raised you know that one, I'd have just said, you know what, if, you sold if me I an Orpheus. Get, if I can get one person after this podcast to give it a go, I, oh, I will yeah. be a happy woman. That's all I'm saying. Well, <laughs> when, when, when <laughs> we finish, into it, yeah. when we finish, get those books out, uh, yep. Steve. Right. You cannot well, as, vote for Forbidden Lands, I'm afraid. As, as my vote makes no difference now, I'm going I'm to put my two votes in. So, Sodja. <laughs> so, uh, right, from a mechanical perspective, uh, uh-huh. I'm going to go for King of Dungeons because I, I do appreciate the. Although I haven't played it, I have read it and I do appreciate the simplicity of it in play. Yeah. Is that from a thematic perspective, I'm going to mm-hmm. go for Black Crusade because I, uh, yeah, I, I've been a long time player of 40k from right back in the early days i've got a lot of fond memories of that stuff not so much how it is now but certainly how it was then you know with the yeah. land speeders made out of uh Actually, did, are you, bottles and stuff oh, you want a golden throw <laughs> yogurt yeah. pots i am yogurt actually pots. yeah i thought so <laughs> but uh, yeah yogurt pots yeah so yeah, yeah exactly. and i and i think okay. you know that that yeah the, it, i think the whole anti-hero thing has got a lot of uh, lot going for it so there you go 
I, it, 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 it just comes down to me to sort of com- complete the voting. I, I, I was, I was going to go uh, with um, uh, Trollpack, actually, Ian. I certainly would have voted for uh, Black Crusade, and and now again it's going to be another one of those where I have to go and buy the game, of course. But and the reason the reason being, I think actually there is there isn't. It does become a little bit transactional sometimes, isn't it, with the sort of the encounters that you have? You don't then sort of say, okay, do you know what? There's a different way of doing this. Do we have to slaughter everything? And I think you're right with Troll Pack. Uh, Oddly enough, one of the very few reinquest uh, re supplements that actually I ever bought. And similarly, I thought it was you know, a very, very clever way of doing it. You, you, tunnels and Trolls, I think, sort of, uh, said, with Monsters, Monsters, sort of took it in completely the different way, which was actually you're just the monsters slaughtering everybody. So, <laughs> which, but yeah, an interesting thing. I, I think you're right. I think whatever we do then do. Uh, and clearly, clearly, because of the vote, we get the monsters from Dragon Warriors, which is quite an extraordinary victory for, for Dragon Warriors. However, what we then need to do is, as Ian quite rightly said, with the Frankenstein's RPG first supplement, uh, Dragon uh, it, it, Death's Heads are people too. Yeah, exactly. Will be the first. Oh, fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. Good. Good stuff. So our monsters stroke protagonist. Yeah, um, do you know, oddly enough, the only other one I was going to go for was volume with Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> you got to be fine. Actually, I, actually, I actually wore my Dungeons and Dragons T-shirt today, just uh, oh, especially yeah. for this session. Look at that. I've uh, I haven't got mine. Uh, okay, so the next one though is even sort of more. Like... The pants on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm not wearing any. Sorry, back to front. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine traveller underpants? Oh my word! Not they'd be bud- they'd be budgie smugglers, wouldn't they? <laughs> all right, it's <laughs> Cowan Orland Vex's gaming Rexes or whatever it is. Thanks for the intro, Dave. I'm Steve, host of Orland Rexes Gaming Vexes a podcast documenting my ongoing mission to run or at least play all of the RPGs that I seem to be incapable of stopping myself buying. And you'll see me uh, frequently uh, fiddling with something in my hands. Each episode, I get together with a group of fellow gamers that have either played a game I've run or who've GM'd a game for me. We chat through what we've enjoyed about the game and some ways we could have improved the experience whilst making a series of terrible jokes along the way. Was it hot chat action? Sometimes we con game designers who really should know better to come along and talk to us about their games and maybe run an actual play segment to give us an idea of their vision for their game. I've told this story before for anyone. Our topics range from old school favourites like RuneQuest through to some of those newfangled narrative games all the cool kids talk about. When you listen, I want you to feel as though you're sitting around our gaming table, taking part in our post-game chat and helping dispose of the last of the crisps and ale. I'll just wax my bowstring and think about the death of the tainted. Oh no, eight, nine, eight. So, if you like listening to people droning on excitedly about games in a range of regional British accents, All Anthrex's Gaming Vexes is the pod for you, and you'll find it on your podcasting app of choice. On occasion, you may even hear something really insightful, but I'm making no promises. Over to you, Dave. Point to Bonkses and make it a Titan. <laughs> Keep it high. Uh, so, uh, we, we come to the second part.
Now, this is, again, this is we, we've sort of flirted with a few things that have been controversial on, on the pod. Uh, we had the old failing forward uh, sort of fiasco. Uh, I love that. That was we, great. We did more we, of that. We sort of we sort of brought the kind of opprobrium uh, very rarely found on Twitter. You know, who knew Twitter could be controversial? Drive the traffic. Uh, it's what it's all about. It's yeah, it, <laughs> it's it, 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 it was interesting, and and this is an area where again, the, the sort of the people the people coming forward on Twitter uh, have really really sort of uh, been. Uh, not, not, not sort of con- not, not anti there being this idea of luck or fate or uh, you know, hero points or blah 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 blah, blah whatever it's called. Um, but they've been sort of uh, aggressively touting different games, and it's all essentially the same mechanic, isn't it? So uh, this is one we're going to have a look at: now. luck, stroke, fate, stroke, hero points. Blah, 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 blah. And, and this time I'm going to start in reverse order. Uh, we go get Lee. Can I come to you first? Okay. With first of all, sort of you know, what what your thoughts are around this, and then maybe some sort of nomination. What do you think? Yeah. So um, I, I found this a lot easier to look at. So, um, which you might take a different view on that. Well, so. <laughs> less less di- less diverting at work, but you know. Yeah. So um, <laughs> stop it. So the of the games I've sort of bought recently. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking, okay, what, what have we got in there on, on, on luck, etc. And I was looking at this. Oh, my, my camera's pretty good. Which is Project Cassandra. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, which yeah, was, yeah. Um, came out of the Kickstarter Zine Quest thing they do in February. And, okay. and I, it's from Lunar Shadow Designs. And, and I got this. And basically, this is Cold War era psychic spies save the world. Yeah. Okay. Now, so all all the characters have um, fifteen slots or uses of their psychic power, which which they could use to trigger their psychic powers, mm-hmm. or um, to re-roll the dice. It's a dice port; you can re-roll a whole lot. So, um, and and that's it. You you've got fifteen, and the it, they, it's a dual purpose thing. It's used to power the, you know, the, the character's unique selling point, and also as a as a uh, as a luck or, or fate point to go okay. through. Um, and and they refresh. Um, I think um, you know one one of those refreshes per game day, and that's it. And everyone has fifteen to start with. And there's another mechanic on the tenth and fifth one as as you count down. You that the character um, has a glimpse of the future because they're psychics as well. So they get to narrate a little scene that could pop up, but it can't be anything too specific. They can't say, like, oh, we win, but it could be sort of like, they, <laughs> you know, um, you, you could have said, like, well, um, you, know, you know, the next person to take us trips up or something, you know, something, it's quite nice. That. So that, that was, you know, that's just something I, I found recently that I quite enjoyed and I thought it was quite nice. Um, the next thing I looked, I, I, I come, I thought out of bound was um, what I thought. What I'm going to call the cruelest implementation of fate points, which I'm going to go to to um, the D sanction. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Cool. So in the D section, mm. you only get one fate token yeah. per person. And they can only use it once per adventure, however many sessions that goes on for. But the, what I also like about that one, it could be used to re-roll any role, including the, the person running the game mm -hmm. to going through. And, but, but, you know, that one point, once that's gone, that's gone. You, you won't get any more until the next game, to the next adventure. So that's why I'm calling it the cruelest one. Um, what I've dubbed the worst implementation, which I, I don't want to draw too much into that. I, I, Go I'm going to award. I'm going to award to. I'm awarding to D and D five E because they have <laughs> they have inspiration, which is really rubbish. Pants. It's rubbish. Don't use it. No one ever uses it. You can only have again. You can only have one inspiration per person at any okay. one time. You can get them back. But what does it give you if you use it? Advantage. But like, if you're playing, most people playing D and D, you're probably with advantage all the bloody time anyway. So you know. So yeah. it really is that I, you know, finally they've got it in and whatever. But it's just it's just been tacked on, and that's why I'm calling it the worst implementation because it it no one remembers they've got it. It also it it's what I don't like is it, it's awarded for you know for role playing your character. So mm. you know, and, and I don't like that sort of um the, the way you know if you're if you're awarding stuff, things like that i prefer it to be goal driven or you know or okay. the end of something or doing that so yeah. then going back to something again a game i, got so I, I do i do just need to say just for the for the purposes of uh being hunted down by large amounts of people that was lee who was uh dissing dnd 5e <laughs> not me but I, I would just, I, point it, just pointing that out. That, that's true. I was dissing it. But I would also point out that I do run D and D five E for the people at work. So, okay. you know, so oh, for the, the people at work, slumming it for the people at work. Yeah, they're, they're very they passive. Don't get, they don't get proper games. Anyway, they, you can edit that out, right? <laughs> so the next one I looked at stays in was was um was Open Quest three, which I got I got this week. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that that has fortune points. Okay, and they're quite nice because it, it's um, it's fairly democratic. You start off with two. Yep. Um, you get them awarded at the end of the gaming session again, whether mm -hmm. you spent them or not. And and again, it's you know it could be two. It's between naught and four. You can get awarded depending on what happened. And again, some of that is based on how you play your character to the yeah. character's drives, etc. So, um, and what I liked about that, it's it's used to re-roll any failed roll. Mm -hmm. Okay, but you can also use it to change the results. You can flip the tens and the units around. Yeah. So you can change. Um, you know, a, a 72 to a 27 and get a better success or a lot better success. And also, in, quite importantly on here, you can spend that to avoid certain death. So you'll just like, end up as unconscious or something like that. So it's quite yeah. a gritty game apart from those, I think. Yeah, so. and, and and also now the second time Open Quest got it in last, uh, last episode as well. Mm. Yeah, good. Good. And the other one I looked at was Tales from the Loop. 
Okay. So that's interesting there is because because your luck is based on your age. So the maximum age for your character is, is 15 anyway. I think when they want to become 16, they have to toddle off and do adult stuff. So it's 10, to, so, so it's calculated by its, uh, it's 15 minus your character's age. So okay. I think, so you can have um, five to naught luck points. So it, okay. it's quite a low amount if you're looking at it like that. But um, the benefits are you, you spend it to, to re-roll a failed dice roll. Uh, okay. And so, and, and on that, you you need some to push those pulls sometimes because you need a six to get a success on each dice. It's depending on the, the difficulty there. Yeah. Um, and and it is quite generous, even though you can have um, like only five because at the end of each session of play, you you get you get them fresh back, not per adventure or anything like that. So so that was quite okay. generous. Um, so I'm waffling on there. So then I looked at those and I think, well, I like all those and they're all good. Um, but does that really help describe the game or do anything with it? And I hope, you know, what really does that is Pulp Cthulhu. Okay. Luck in Pulp Cthulhu really describes the what the game is about and powers all sorts of different things like your your um, pulp abilities, yeah. a lot of them are powered by luck. Yeah. And, of course, you have the famous keep 30 points back because that will save you when Cthulhu comes to eat you. <laughs> the mega death so, saving rule, yeah. So, but because of the, okay. and, 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 you know, and because you can use it for so many other different things, you know, you can use it to adjust roles, et cetera. Um, okay. Obviously, you know, there are luck roles just have, like rubbish, you know, so shit doesn't happen, things like that. But I think specifically Pulp Cthulhu is is where luck really describes or helps describe the, how the game is and runs. So good. that's okay. probably what that's what I'll be putting forward. That's the one you think you're gonna go good. So. Okay. Okay. Tenzin, I saw you also produce your D sanction just I as know. Uh, and I wish you'd said you need like four games and then no. I <laughs> I would have come up with more options. So we, I do have we need two. the best. I do, I do have two things. So yes, I did also choose a D sanction as one of my picks. Like I said, I hate uh, stats and dice rolling. And when I ran this the other day, I didn't roll any dice for the whole time. And that was fantastic. Um, the players basically roll all the dice. So it's basically up for them to decide if they get hurt or not. So um, that's one reason I love it. I love the setting as well. Um, and the in this, they're the fortune points. And um, in the session we had, two of them had to use them to save their lives. So I feel like <laughs> because you're very squishy in the do sanction. So well, having uh, fortune points is very good. So that was why I picked it. But I'm going to focus on the other one, okay. which I can guarantee no one is ever going to pick for anything else. Is it Traveller? It's not Traveller. And we need to have a Traveller 2020 conversation, but that's later. Um, (laughs) So here we go. So my pick for Fate Luck uh, Points is uh, Angel, the role-playing game. Oh, hello. And let me explain why. So (laughs) that's what I mean. No one else is ever going to pick this. 
So Angel, the role playing is based on the television show uh, of okay. the same name. Um, it is Eden Studios game based on the Unisystem. And you do play uh, either champions or investigators in the angel world. Mm-hmm. Apart from being obsessed with all that kind of thing. The reason I love it is because <laughs> they're called drama points. I stop laughing figure it be in my pick. Oh, no, no, I no. Sorry, it um, the reason um, I picked it, because it's got drama points, but they're actually um, integral to the game. So if you imagine the every session is like mm-hmm. a TV program. So it opens normally with a fight or, you know, um, a big kind of incident or something happens. or And then um, you play through and it's really easy, I think, for the players to understand because you go, right, it's set up like a, a TV show. You've all watched TV shows, right? We're going to we're going to play a game mm-hmm. like that. Where the drama points comes in, and I've got a list here, so you can use them to heroic feats, I think I'm okay, plot twist, righteous fury, and back from the dead. And the reason they're integral is because it's exactly like a TV show. So when you're watching a TV show and then suddenly lands a punch that you would never land, or a plot twist happens, or someone takes a mortal wound and then, oh, next day they're fine. So it absolutely mirrors the cinematic universe in which which it plays. And the other thing I like is is if you're a champion, you kind of get better stats and skills and stuff, but you get less drama points than an investigator. So to try and balance that out, to try and get the other people, the kind of normal humans, to run in and do stuff, they get more of these points. Um, so I like that. And also it's got kind of the bad thing. So as a GM, I can mm-hmm. force the players into situations they wouldn't normally go in and I can pay them off with drama points. So mm-hmm. I can say, you're all going to get arrested, but have a drama point to kind of, so you don't want the players going, I'm not doing that. My character wouldn't do that, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> you can go, well, yeah, for the sake of the plot, you are going to do it, but here, I'm going to pay you off. <laughs> Is, is that the same system that Buffy, the Buffy role-playing game used to present? It's similar. It's kind of refined because did. I've got Buffy too, and they did that one first, and then they kind of brought out Angel and improved bits of it. But you can run them together. I, I like that. Unisystem was the highest system for Eden Studios, wasn't it? So they did Witchcraft as well. Yeah. Same, same system. So Yeah. I'm it's a really nice, non-complicated. It's levels of success. So it's stat scale, D10, however many levels. But it's really all about the, the drama. And it's like, it's really easy to understand. I'm like, you wake up in a room and everyone's like, yes, we wake up. You know, it's, yeah. it's very easy I to get on with. Played uh, a session of It Came From Beneath the Sea. Do you know that one? It's sort of the 1950s kind of you know, pulp. Well, it's actually almost like a surf movie type. And it had a, I can't remember exactly what the mechanic was called. I don't think it was called drama points, but it, it was essentially it, it almost exactly a sort of similar idea, and it worked brilliantly. Hmm. But you had to seriously come up with a, you know, a really great narrative. So, yeah, good, good, like that. And you're right, no one would ever have voted for <laughs> no, that. Listening <laughs> <laughs> to this, going, what on earth? Yeah, angel. Mm. <laughs> uh, Ian, may I come to you next? 
Absolutely. So um, uh, you, for, for the listeners who don't know, we, we've been developing Quest Worlds in the open. So um, what we mean by that is that there's, uh, it's going to have an open gaming license around where it does. There's a system reference document that lives for the techies amongst you actually out on GitHub. So it's like you can go and get your copy and see all our edits to it. And there's a Facebook group and we discussed a lot of the changes we're making to kind of this version and getting the feedback from people directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and things that I thought would be controversial, like, oh, hey, we're going to change the way that it works from bumping results to counting successes. It's going to it's the same outcome, but it's going to be, you know, complicated things like that. Uh, you know, people are generally okay with. And then, mm. then we discussed hero points. <laughs> oh, that was a can of worms that I wished I had never, ever, ever opened for the differences of opinion. <laughs> Um, and particularly mm. kind of what you could do with them and, and how they work. So one of the things, uh, when, I, when I did that, I looked into kind of what people use hero point mechanics for. There's a great, uh, I'll give you a link at the end. There's a great, someone's done a whole summary of the history of hero points out there on the web. Okay. Um, essentially, you, you can fix roles, right? And that's the most original use of them. Uh, yeah. And James Bond 007 has that. And it has this idea of basically you can shift the quality rating up. So you improve your result and you get new ones when you get a, a quality rating one. That's really yeah. where everyone knows them from. Um, and the there's a comment someone made on Twitter recently and said, you know, I think, I think really kind of about story points and, and, and hero points and saying, why are we, why are we fudging the, the, the results? Yeah, um, surely we're rolling dice because we want the outcome to be uncertain. Surely mm-hmm. that we should never use fate or hero points because we should. We should otherwise. Why do we roll? If we if we genuinely didn't want the possibility that you could fail, we should yeah. just narrated that and never rolled the dice. Right? Yep. So if you're rolling yep. the dice. Surely you should be a slave to the dice. So the argument in James Bond 007 is. Yes, but the thing you can't do is then have James Bond sprint across the lawn while the uh, Schmirsch agents are opening up on him with their machine guns because you'll die. So what you have to do in that game is basically burn your hero points, make it possible to do those kind of heroic acts, right? Yeah. And, and and that makes quite a lot of sense to me that you know if you want a game that whose atmosphere is very much that kind of cinematic feel, hero mm-hmm. points are the way you do that without making it all laughably easy, you say, hey, I can burn through my hero expenditure to pull off those kind of those kind of stunts that people do. You know, you can you can you can actually make commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger happen. Um, uh, all those bullets can fly and, and you remain completely unscathed. And, and that makes some sense. Um, the second thing they do is they allow story edits. And actually James Bond allowed that a little bit, but didn't really go into so much. He said you can have this kind of thing where, hey, there's a spider in the room. Hey, great, is there a uh, I'm going to spend a, uh, one of my hero points to make sure I've got a can of, you know, shaving foam nearby my lighter. Um, uh, and uh, we didn't usually originally have that in the kind of hero quest engine, but Mythic Russia, which was a game that licensed it, written by Mark Gelotti, if you want to play um, medieval Russian uh, kind of romance stories, definitely go for Mythic Russia. Um, introduced that and we, and we took that into Quest World. So now you can do this thing where you spend a hero point, you get a little tie or a number of hero points. You can edit the plot. You can have lucky coincidence. Hey, the guy on the guard on the door is my old gym buddy or whatever. Actually. So that you can uh, you don't necessarily bypass parts of the plot, but you can make your life a little bit easier or you can drift in a direction that makes more sense to you. Okay. The next one along is experience. So some systems, uh, HeroQuest did this originally. Star Wars does this, lets you burn future experience. 
It lets yeah. you say, hey, you can trade an experience point off and you can then re-roll that roll. And it's an interesting idea, right? Saying you'll learn nothing from this. So we're, so we're going to charge you an experience point. Um, and that was the most controversial part of what was in the Hero Wars, Hero Quest rules that people, people absolutely despised. This idea really? that I'm forcing you to make a choice between um, advancement, uh, or, advancement or and yeah. basically uh, that's, that's the one we, jo- we dropped. Uh, I mean, I was there were literally almost people with pitchforks outside the house. Um, yeah. If that rule stays in the next version, you know, um, you won't live to see the next Christmas or level. So that's gone yeah. because I yeah. wanted to see the next Christmas. Um, but yeah, genuine hate. And the, the last one, and this is the one I don't like somewhat controversially, is where you activate abilities using it. So fate, I am looking at you. The <laughs> problem I have with things like fate is that it's called the fate economy. So the idea yeah. is things like aspects and stuff, in order to make them or stunts make them work, I have to spend effectively a fate point on it, right? Now, I have, I have a personal rule, which is don't get in between me and cool, right? Players have enough trouble during an average session, right? You're sitting there quite often, you know, you come home from work, particularly nowadays, you're playing online, etc. You're tired and you think of a cool thing to do. You think, I've thought of this really cool thing to do. And you say to the GM, can I do this? And they say, how many fake points do you have? And you're like, I don't have any. I'll have to do the boring thing instead. It's like, why? Make the tea. Yeah. Why would you do it? It's like, I, my, my acid rule for games is this, right? Let's say we're, we've got a swashbuckling game. And yeah, we're yeah. fighting in a room with a big chandelier. And it's attached by a rope. And, and, and I say to the GM, hey, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to step back, pull him under the chandelier. And I'm going to slash the thing and then drop the chandelier on his head. And the GM says to me, oh, how many fate points do you have to make that happen, to tag the aspect so you can do that? I'm like, okay, I just hit him with my sword. I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> so sorry I asked. Yeah. Um, right? It's, it's an electric. Is, right, just, if I just got something cool, give me a bonus, right? Give me, give me a bonus to make my life easy because I yeah. could do the boring thing. Usually the cool thing makes it more time for everyone at the table. So I, I despise yeah. things that make you activate abilities by spending cool points and say – you can only have a certain amount of cool per session. I'm sorry. Cool is rationed in this game. We don't want cool people playing. So all the cool has to be rationed. If you think of a cool thing, I'm sorry, you've had your ration of cool and no more is going to be allowed to you. So yeah, I bit all those. Yeah, dullard. Yeah. That's so that's a, this this leads me to my to one of my my problem with choosing a system because one of the actual applications I'm playing at the moment I really like of kind of hero points is hope in the one ring. I love hope because what it does is it says, okay, you can spend hope to basically get a, a bonus on your role based on an attribute. Um, and if it's a favorite attribute, that really works quite well, right? Yeah. And it's integrated really nicely because you also have a, a shadow score. If your hope falls too low, you can end up miserable because essentially you've lost, you haven't got any hope anymore and your feelings of shadow are greater. Um, so I like the feel of hope is what essentially can drive you on. It feels very Tolkien-esque, like the way they've integrated that in setting. But they do have some uses where it's kind of like, oh, you can spend a hope to activate this ability. So I like you wondering, but I, I, but you've crossed my threshold line there, which makes me feel a bit, you know, you've done the bad thing that Ian doesn't like. Right? You might like uh, the one in second edition, because they've changed that now. So yeah, to see, oh, see, obviously. Thank the Lord. Obviously, they knew. Well, they changed everything else about it. <laughs> oh, they kept all the brilliant stuff. So they only tweaked it a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. 
So, so, so that does, does that does that mean, Steve, that I can safely put the One Ring Second Edition oh, in? Always. Thank you. Always. Good. Well, that's, that's good. Just your your point about Hobie. And so when we were playing it, and and again, people know I just I love um, Middle Earth, but hate all the role playing games associated with. Um, the, uh, what wash I your wash it. your mouth out now. No. No. <laughs> um. So basically, I just kept spending my hope, and I just became like a goth. Um, I just basically, <laughs> I just ended up like a goth time. woman from Brie. It was fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you kept, and it was great because I got some really great roles out of it. So, so do, we do all really characters in Middle Earth eventually become goths, though. Is that is that not? <laughs> yeah, that's fact? true. So, so, so we could have goth points then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What would be what would be what would be the sort of antithesis of it? new romantic, perhaps? <laughs> new romantic. Okay. Off. There you go. So, so out of we will come back. We will come back. Steve, come on. Uh, what, what are you going to go for? Luck, okay. fate, points, goth. Well, so psycho Billy. Yeah, everyone's come with brilliant descriptions of of how different platform mechanics look and i think i'll just come back to what he was saying I, I quite like the idea of spending future experience for success now i quite like that trade-off but anyway whatever they'll burn you steve they'll burn no, you. It's wrong. i'm not trying, I'm not trying to wrong. publish a game it's okay um so there's two things so talk about how, how could we do it okay but mm-hmm. i'm going to come in for another and should we do it should frankenstein's argument is should we have fake points or a way Mm. of messing with um probability or success that sort of thing because and i'm thinking back to the whole failing forward super episode okay Mm. where it was about actually which really was about success with a consequence or you know fail but you can turn that into success yes but you know that that that's what it was about really Mm. and i think i seem to recall that it was stuff it let the dice fall where they may and go with that Okay, yeah. like an old school essentials type or like a more old school approach. So, I mean, for, for me, I think, you know, let's let's use the old school essentials approach, which is, no, let's not have it. Let's Because it's it really, it's about the theme of the game, isn't it? If you want a game like 5e, I don't know, we talked about inspiration is a poor implementation of it, but you get extra dice advantage because really no one ever likes to die in 5e and no character ever likes to fail in 5e so it's set up so that you you know when it when you do fail it should be the exception rather than the the, the rule really what's usual. and then you've got other so like you know in whoosh you've got ways of avoiding dying because it's just a really really deadly game because it's a percentile mm-hmm. system and it's really just because it takes so long to roll off a character it's just it, it, basically you're just trying to offset the swinginess of a system so i think yeah, yeah. and we talked about the one ring and i think you know thinking about um so, so that's what i think is like an example of a, de- a dependent economy where nothing like 2d20 with threatened momentum is a similar sort of thing where you you spend but then it trades off and it's a little bit like the drama points you were referring to there at times but so there's there's infinite ways you could you could do this thing if we wanted to yeah pick one great whatever but my vote is no <laughs> Let's not have it. Not, in, not for Frankenstein's RPG, because that decision's been made. So old school essentials, the rent none. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's an interesting argument, given that you can't vote for it. Everyone else will be swayed by the sheer volume and power of my arguments. Everyone else will vote for it. <laughs> well, you, you sort of very miserably sat in the corner and said, you can't have it. 
Frankenstein's RPG. It's got a fairly detailed uh, character generation system and a very bloody combat system. So, 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 so without without the ability to have any kind of like hero points, there's going to be a lot of people rolling dice for uh, <laughs> for most of the evening. We do chivalry and sorcery, haven't we? Again, we so. we essentially need to crack the character generation system <laughs> very very quickly. But, yeah. but if we have to pick one. Okay. I shall I shall come back to you on it. I shall come back to you. You, you, you may have changed your mind by the time we've uh, okay. we brainwashed Intriguing. you. But a traveller doesn't have any uh does it? No, it doesn't, does it? Traveller is roll those dice, suckers. Uh I, I actually thought you can ruin ruin things for me there, uh, Steve. Other than clearly, you know, your sort of take on uh ruining people's chances to enjoy the game by not having any kind of luck you, stroke. You've played uh, in games like GM, haven't you? You, you do, you do. <laughs> yeah, they're very sad and tawdry. Uh, I play them very badly, which is always good. Uh, no, I, 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 I thought you were going to ruin it for me, but the, the one I'm going for, and, and, and this is a game, uh, well, that's not actually Nanok, it's Conan. Uh I've gone for Conan. I, I, as, as, as sort of a, I've, I've been on a bit of a journey with 2D20. And my, my journey with 2D20 is I think it's explained appallingly in the books. But when you play it, I think it really, it's just great. I, I, I really enjoy it. There's bits that, you know, you sort of think, okay, well, it's a little bit, not sure about how that works. And, you know, it's sort of, I think it's sort of partway between being, uh, and, and Conan in particular has got lots of bits of bits of crunch to it, but actually the sort of core aspect of it is reasonably sort of straightforward. You know, skill plus ability under you know on a d twenty numbers of successes. And stuff. However, I think they do quite well this idea of uh, of the various aspects that we've sort of talked about. So you do have the opportunity for the for the GM. Uh, to accrue doom and that's the bit i guess sort of slightly slightly in reverse of what you were talking about ian which was uh can you hear that helicopter <laughs> i think it's the sas are coming in it's the it's the traveler sas have found me finally signal. <laughs> uh, yeah you've got you've got the idea so so the gm uh, or, or keeper, or whatever it might be, uh, has has the opportunity to sort of spend doom and you know keep the the, the, the things going, you know, And you have momentum spend, which again can be a, can be a, a a or is a joint exercise. So everybody can get involved in it. Then becomes quite a quite a sort of a, uh, a community kind of resource, which I think is quite good. And you you tend to work with each other. Then it's quite a cooperative thing. And then you do have fortune points. And but they are quite specific about what you can do, and some of it is the very dull Dungeons Dragons esque, where you get a bonus dice. But it can go through to sort of you know story declaration bits, which is that element we're talking about, particularly with with your drama points, uh, Tamsin, with, with with regard to being able to add sort of just a slight tweak to the uh, to the narrative, which I, which I rather enjoyed. So I, I'm 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 going for uh, I'm going for Conan two D twenty. And and this, I think now, I think this must be a record-breaking entry. I think Conan's been nominated in more uh, more aspects than than else. It is, I'm not sure it's a massively sort of popular game, but uh, I I that's me. Well, lots Conan two D twenty. Lots of books. Mm. 
as as my wallet is increasingly finding out. We <laughs> used to see if you do science fiction whether the Star Trek two D twenty makes an equally significant appearance. Yeah, yeah, it is funny. It'd be interesting actually to pick your brains about this at some stage. But the way it's the way it's explained in the books, it's almost impenetrable at times. Mm. They keep talking in. It's almost like you know why use. Why use one word when 30 will do? You know, it's, no, stop. So, so one of the things we, we certainly found when we produced the SRD, we took all the rules out of the books to, to get them down to their minimum format for Quest Worlds, yeah. was that it becomes much clearer how you've got turn bloat effectively and you, you, you've got 12 ways of saying the same thing, how you've been inconsistent in usage. When you strip away all the stuff that goes alongside rules and really get it down to just the rules in a minimal format, it's actually a lot easier yeah. to see that. And that's one of the first things we cleaned up was like just poor terminology. Um, what, 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 I, what I have found very interesting, I, I, and you know, because I've not been playing anything face-to-face, I've not really invested in it, but I invested in this, the GM screen. And actually, there's the game. The, the game is in the GM screen. You don't actually need the rule books. Oh. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Well, Frankenstein's have a, a GM screen. That's another yeah. thing. It, it, oh. it will do now. Made it will do parts. I, Who Sorry, doesn't love a GM screen? Come on. Oh, it's, it's, who lo- everyone loves a GM screen. We're, oh. we're going to make it out of uh, out of human skin. <laughs> in fact. I, I love I love GM screens, but I, I I never use them to sit behind. No. I always want like a GM's clipboard with kind of like you know flip over sheets. <laughs> um, uh, Funny enough, actually for Dragon Warriors, there was a really really good. So somebody has done that. I think it's on the. Um, it's not the Jewel Spider. What is it? That's, uh, uh, golly, spider. Golly, what's, pardon me. Crack Spider. I, I can't think. It, is it called that? The it's the it's online like, resource. Anyway, whatever. Oh, oh a bigger bunch. So, so somebody's done for Dragon Warriors has literally distilled the, the entire game into about five or six sheets of paper. That's that's all I ever use. It's, mm. it's fantastic. That's why my games are rubbish. It leaves out half the rules. But there we are. So we are going to vote. I am going to now. I'm going to come back to you all uh, individually and tie you down, as it were, to uh, to something. So I, I'll go Lee. So you talked about several. Uh, Project Cassandra, I thought, it sounded absolutely brilliant, to be honest. <laughs> I've got a horrible yeah, feeling. That's, to... that's on my list of things to run very, very soon. Yeah. Okay, so give us a shout when that, when that happens. Right, who are you going to call them? Um, which, no, which... I, I, I am going to go revert to type and, and plump for, for uh, Pulp Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, Pulp Cthulhu. Okay, specifically the idea of being able to sort of burn luck in, in big amounts. Again, Cthulhu always does well. Pop Cthulhu, probably slightly less, but it's good. I think it's good. Yeah. yeah. No, I just think it, it really does fit in with the, the pulp. Yeah. You can, you can take it yeah. down, can't you? Yeah. 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 So, at Tamsin, you had uh, D-Sanction, Angel mm-hmm. the RPG. Yeah. Which one are you going for? I am going to go for Angel because a 20-year-old TV show can make a good role-playing game. Don't let them tell you otherwise. <laughs> well, well, in a second, Ian's going to vote for uh, Happy Days RPG because of the amount of cool in it. <laughs> he is he is the Fonz. <laughs> Ian, Fonz, sorry. Uh, Ian, Ian, what's um, it going to be? Who are you going for? It probably isn't a Happy Days RPG. There's a gap in the market, which oh, is what I've seen. Well, 
we, we, we're doing setting in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we get a speedboat, jump the shark. <laughs> uh, Bags you not be Richie. Okay. Yeah. Um, what are you going for? So, uh, uh, well, I was originally, I was going to basically, on the basis that the others read, read to themselves by falling foul of my criteria, go back to James Bond and say, you know, actually, that I think they've got it right. I, I, I'm a little bit tempted by um, Steve's notion that, uh, that the second list, which, I've, which I haven't had time to read the alpha of yet, uh, uh, of, of the One Ring has improved that situation with the, with the host band. But I'm, I'm going to stick with James Bond, I think. Mm. So really, it's, it's the way it works, right? It's the idea of basically you can improve the quality of your result with a hero point, or you can do a little yeah. tiny story edit, or and you get them back when you when you roll dice and get it get a good success. Right? Make it generic mm. enough that you'll find it easy to fit in. Maybe. Like that, yeah. James Bond, fantastic. Uh, Steve. Okay, well, I'm going to stick with uh, honouring the level of heat that was generated by your fail forward episode and uh, just the general glee that I felt reading all the Twitter storm that came around that one. So I'm going, no, no fake points. No, no fake. You you will get people say, Steve just didn't understand. Didn't understand the idea behind (laughs) luck points. That's my life. Don't worry about it. And of course, I am going for Conan 2D20. So, the vote. We have to vote now. Uh, I'm going to go first. Uh, For being brave, I'm almost tempted to vote for you, Steve. Uh, But I'm not going to. Uh, Instead, do you know what? I I rather fancy having a a look at Angel the RPG. I, I like this. I like the idea of there being drama points. I, I, funny enough, I also like the idea that you can split out by sort of almost by uh, by sort of where the character fits within the game, whether they are this sort of idea of champions or investigators. I, I don't, don't quite know how that would work. It'd be interesting to see what we could do. So I, I'm I'm voting for Angel the RPG. Sounds good. You 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 can stop cartwheeling around the room now. Uh, I will. I will come to Steve now. Steve, you, you can't vote no. Okay. Well, if I'm going to have something, then I'm going to vote for uh, 2D20 because I, I do like the threat and momentum uh, economy. Yeah. I like yeah. the fact that it, it allows, there's a, you do stuff at a cost and there's no call limit, really, um, mm-hmm. or not yeah. not so much of a call limit. So, yeah, that's me. Conan 2D20, thank you very much. Uh, Ian? You can't obviously vote for James Bond, so it's Pulp Cthulhu, Angel the RPG, no, and Conan 2D20. Mm. I, I think of all of those, Angel is the one that would probably most meet my needs. I like the idea, I like as you say, of drama points in the sense that um, yeah. it's mirroring the genre quite nicely, and it sounds neat. The sort of plot edit element seems quite nice. 2D20... Um, I, I find, for my take, uh, I, I've always found most of them. I'm tracking too many elements for me. I'm not quite sure yeah. which one of that set of counters is quite the one I'm using. And I felt like you could simplify it by, uh, significantly by reducing it to one. I felt there was a lot of moving parts for me. I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, pulp. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Uh, although I think that may fulfil a little bit of some of my kind of like pay pay to activate stuff. So I'm I'm gonna plump uh, for Angel, I think. Angel, two votes for Angel. 
Wow. No one would ever vote for it, she I, said. You, 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 wait for the Twitter storm. I'm just saying. eBay price is going up as we speak. Mm. Oh, we get quick. Well, that's good because I've got every single source fix, so I can <laughs> do all I, right. I, I'm already looking forward to the campaign you're going to be running for full time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, and also that you're willing to part with these books now. So, is this some sort no, of I mean, that was joke. eBay marketing exercise? No. <laughs> uh, Lee, come on. Uh, what are you voting for? You can't obviously vote for, uh, uh, for Pulp Cthulhu, um, I'm afraid. Um, I, I can't vote. No, don't have any because I, I really do feel that there's a there's a need for for those to have those in the system. It, it just helps iron things out. Yeah. And 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 I think that the James Bond and the drama system, the drama points there, are, are very very similar, and they could almost be uh, you know, intertwined or, or used. You know. Uh, overall so and they do sound you know on, on the right end of, of, of how to use them and what to do with them so yeah um so let, let's let's have a resounding um <laughs> vote to swing things and, and go for the for, for angel yes why not angel this is like angel. a shock result by the way <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I'm quitting Twitter now. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can wait till it's released. Yeah. No, no, I, I don't get any of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, nobody more shocked, uh, in fact, than me. Tamsin, uh, you can't vote for Angel oh, yeah. the RPG. I I'm can't sorry. Wait for Angel. Um, so, based on my earlier comments about hating rules, I have to go with no. Steve won me over. Oh, because to me, oh. like the best role playing system would be four lines done. So <laughs> I gotta go with that. Four lines. I've had a look at the, at the SID again because I think I've got more than four. <laughs> <laughs> if you could say how long they were, I, I, I mean, like, I, I thought I was close to the end, but Tams has sent me back to the drawing board. I, it's like four lines. If you can't do it in four scores. lines. You know, that's it. I, I feel like a failure already, yeah, and it's not even out the door. <laughs> it, it could be the most expensive post-it that we'll ever have <laughs> from Chaosium then. <laughs> Listen, Angel the RPG is is our uh, is our take on, uh, on uh, the stunned. idea of drama yeah. points. Drama points. Drama. Fantastic. Thank you. Listen, everybody, absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. And, and significantly more uh, rigour and intellect uh, applied, I think, within this episode. It's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Really well, do appreciate it. you're sure going to have to apply to actually make a game out of all this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but what, we, what we have decided, just to sort of pull things together, we have decided the, uh, the sort of menagerie, uh, the feel of, uh, of the, uh, the monsters or protagonists is going to come from uh, Dragon Warriors. But I do like this idea of how we can work in, you know, about um, what is their sort of, you know, their, their, uh, uh, their culture and, and how actually should they be. So we have to think about it a bit more, so that'd be good. And, and our, our take on luck, stroke, fate, stroke, uh, will, whatever it might be, uh, is... Uh, Drama points from Angel the RPG. Can I just say, there's a whole there's a whole generation of people that have no idea <laughs> what they're talking about. 
See these millennials? They'd be like, what? What? Uh, they'll they'll all think it's some, it's some sort of My Little Pony derivative, you know. I think, I think uh, to be fair, the, the, the millennials I work with at work, they, 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 they've actually all been watching it recently. It's all been kind of Is like... Is it stream. retro now? Yeah. It's on so, Amazon, isn't it? All that stuff. Amazon yeah. Prime. You're, you're, you're now officially retro. Sorry, yeah. James. That's fine. I can be retro cool. I'm allowed, and we all know now we can be as cool as we like. There is no limit on cool. Indeed. There is exactly. no oh, limit on cool. Yeah, that's that's, that's the best cool. takeaway from this. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you ever so much, everybody. I really do appreciate it. Hopefully we'll get it out very yeah, shortly. But, uh, I enjoyed that. Lovely. So that goes. See you all later. See you all later. So there you have it. Uh, that was episode eight. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, nice to have some more new voices on. I'm sure you'll agree. So do please check out both the All and Rex's Gaming Vexes podcast and the Grognard Files, like you know, don't know them already, uh, available on all good pod providers. Now, if you want to leave us a message on, at Anchor, please do. We're Frankenstein's RPG. And we're also on Twitter, at FrankensteinRPG. And happy to take feedback and contributions on next episode's topics of setting. That's notwithstanding the recent World Cup vote on Glorantha recently. Uh, and also uh, GM advice or the spirit of the game. Well, what could possibly go wrong? See you soon.